The following podcast contains adult materials such as swearing and mathematics. We'll let you decide which is scarier. Moreover, we of course know everything about the presenter mathematics. But if you think we've made a mistake, think of it as an application of Cunningham's Law. The best way to get the right answer on the internet is to post the wrong one. That's our excuse, and we're sticking with it. to all you lovebirds out there. We are Maths at Valentine's Day, where, simply put, we're three people who are ignoring their significant others to record a podcast on maths. Joining me now and forevermore is the heartbreaking Liz and the heart attack Ben Parker. How are you guys? Very well. So, two points to make. One is Maths at Valentine's Day. I think there's a Maths on Valentine's Day. Well, we're Maths at. We can't, we can't change the branding now. Okay. Um, and the other thing is, I'm just going to say it's easier for you than it is for either of us to ignore your significant other, given that <laughs> you're oh, a bit imaginary. Oh, gosh, but fair. <laughs> oh. Uh, so how are your significant others doing while you're recording this? How does it affect them? Because I've got to say, yes, Lorraine, I, my, my parents are here as well. So again, they're they're around. Um, and luckily they sort of team up with each other. So they can watch bad films that I don't care about. So they leave me alone to record the podcast. How do your significant others uh, take recording? Um, Mr. Liz doesn't love it because I quite often use his laptop and shut him out of <laughs> his living room. So he has to sit in the kitchen and read a book. <laughs> <laughs> so it's not his favourite thing, but you know, he he puts up. It's it's one of the it's one of the many many things that totally baffles me that he puts up with, but but he does. But he's supporting the science by through this. That's that's a nice yeah. thing. How long have we been doing this podcast now? We start. We posted first off at the so end of September. Four months ish. Three four months ish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, my my fiance, the the soon to be Doctor Mrs. Doctor Parker, is an intelligent lady. She is. Okay. Went to Oxford. Three or four degrees. She asked me a couple of weeks ago, "How do I listen to your podcast?" <laughs> She doesn't know. She doesn't know what a podcast is. To be honest, Ben, I I know actually she is not going to be Mrs. Parker. Is she? She's just going to. She is not going to be Mrs. Parker. But, no, she would never allow it. But knowing her, um, she is sufficiently clever to have pretended that she doesn't know how to listen no. to a podcast, so that she doesn't actually. No. Have yeah, to it, it does to sound it. like a cover up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This podcasting you're doing. How do, on earth could I listen to it? I she, don't. She says she's managed to listen to one now. But yeah, I, I would explain it here just to make sure that nobody else makes that mistake. But unfortunately... But it'd be kind of circular. It does become a bit circular. <laughs> but, you know, maybe we should explain to listeners if they're not wearing the uh, Mr. Blobby outfit, they're doing it wrong <laughs> right now. It's, this podcast is best listened to whilst wearing a pink and yellow spotted blancmange suit. As, as we all are now. As we all know now. It, it's very... So are you looking forward to Valentine's Day? This is, well, this is what I wanted to do to bring out. One of my first questions to you guys. Um... So let's just explain the what we're doing this. We're going to be talking about maths. So if you come for maths at Valentine's Day, welcome. We will be talking about that. But before we do get there, um, what, what would you describe as your perfect Valentine's Day? I'm afraid I'm kind of of the school of thought that it's really silly and there's really no need to mark it. So I'm with you. I'm with you. I do not like sort of scripted days. <laughs> well, you like Christmas, though. I, I, no, I hate Christmas. 
Um, I like what happens at Christmas, but I hate the fact it's the same thing every year. Easter I like. <laughs> okay, Easter I love. So you, Easter, you don't know what will well, no, happen. It's you, completely I mean, random first of all, you don't know when it is. Okay, <laughs> That's actually true. That's a good point. Like, an, uh, we'll probably do this on Easter Day, uh, but there's an algorithm which determines the date of Easter, which just basically is sufficiently random. And it could be anyway between any time between February and March. Uh, February and April, <laughs> indeed. Um, actually, hold on. It's, this year, isn't it on April Fool's Day? It is Day on April Fool's Day. So, um, you know, you can tell your children you've hidden chocolate eggs in the uh, garden. Oh, genius. And yes, it is. It is April 1st. And that, Ben, is genius. Okay, but to just have one day set aside, you know, conveniently about six weeks after Christmas in order to maximise, um, you know, returns on roses and chocolates. <laughs> and it's, it's just an excuse for the chocolate manufacturers. You've oh, got- no, I agree. I fully agree. Although what was interestingly, um, last week, uh, we actually had Welsh Valentine's Day. I'm I didn't sorry. know this was a thing. What, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> they, Wales has its own Valentine's Day, and I didn't know this existed, but he, he's called... Uh, St. Dunwin. So I knew nothing about yes. this, but I uh, work, ne- my office is next to um, the Welsh medium lecturer in mathematics. So he, he actually can speak Welsh uh, just about fluently. And so I went to him and said, you know, what's this all about? And essentially what he told me is that he's not really this patron saint of love. He's the patron saint of broken hearts. Oh. Right. So, so there you go. I'm, but do you get you presents on... Well, well, he day. was saying that he he and his partner wanted to celebrate Valentine's Day on because this year is twenty fifth of January because you would be able to get roses and dinner reservations without them being jacked yes. up three hundred percent in price. So, Mister Liz is Welsh. I'm sorry to hear, and that. obviously didn't know this fact. So, can I say that he's missed the boat? And actually, we can't celebrate Valentine's Day uh, because, really, being Welsh, he had to celebrate Welsh Valentine's Day instead. Well, can, can I can I throw something out? Would you marry me if you don't want to celebrate Valentine's Day? I will quite happily not celebrate it with you. Oh, Thomas, we both. Well, I'd have to get divorced. You'd have to have some <laughs> complicated imaginary divorce. Because <laughs> right, so for me, the traditionally, I I always get Lorraine one more rose for every year we've been together. So first year uh. one, second year two. See, I thought about this. I increased linearly. Some people increase geometrically, so they got one, two, four, eight, sixteen. Oh, that increases far too it's fast. It's like that old proverb, isn't it, about the guy with his uh, chessboard and the grains of sand. oh, the chessboard and the grains of, grains of uh, rice. Yes, indeed. But yes, it, it's geometric growth like that will put you into trouble. But uh, linear growth. But what, what's really interesting about linear growth is so l- last year was our thirteenth anniversary. So you can buy a dozen red roses. Easy. Boom. Bang. Done. Getting 13 is impossible. So we had to buy 12 and a 1. Sorry, so you can't go into a shop and buy 13 like a huge roses. hardship. Oh, but Thomas, why don't you just take a mistress and then you could give the other 11 to her? That's Liz. You're a ge- Yes. I, I will explain. I couldn't I couldn't buy, go into a small florist like that because I was in America at this point last year. Right. I was in Ohio for three months. Oh, so, so you I had, had to order them my, online. I had to do it all into flora. Yeah. So, so how did Interflora deliver? Did they deliver them um, thirteen wrapped, or did they deliver them um, like, sort of twelve yeah. plus one? Yeah, no, they, they. She got a box of thirteen, all nicely yeah. wrapped. Uh, a box of twelve, all nicely wrapped, and then a single one in a vase. So I don't think you <laughs> thought this through because if you get to like, I, I, I agree. If you get to fifty years, then fifty years of flowers is going to be very expensive, particularly after global warming and the apocalypse and the dinosaurs. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll survive. 50 and also, years, you're managing. You know, you're not managing expectations. You should do what I do in my uh, my relationship and just start really lower small. the standards. Yeah, 
Let's say after 24 years you forget, okay? So what are you going to do? Are you going to pick them up? This, this was actually an interesting thing. Getting married was actually a really good thing because I, I always got to the same. So I, I, I increased linearly on Valentine's Day and our anniversary. Oh, hang on. But I reset. Hang on, hang on. So what do you do on the anniversary? I, I, I one, two, three, four, depending on how many years. But still doing. roses. Yeah. But so hang on, hang on. You're buying two N roses a year, where N is the number yes. of years you've been together. Yes. Well, not anymore. When we got married, we I reset one of what? them. What? This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's no longer a surprise you know if you come downstairs on valentine's day morning and you've got you know two end roses there it's no surprise well, i guarantee you if i miss a year though that will not be a good okay, surprise this is what differentiates you from me okay you are essentially <laughs> okay you don't care about uncertainty as an applied mathematician you just want to know where things go okay? <laughs> <laughs> me, me with the statistician we like surprises right because if there weren't any surprises, there wouldn't be any statistics. Okay, and, oh, I agree, I agree. Does, does Lou just get whatever was left in Sainsbury's at kind of 10.59 <laughs> the night before? If she's lucky. <laughs> <laughs> we like to mix things up in our relationship. I mean, I don't really know why we're doing this. We're like three of the most miserable people. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm romantic. I buy, I buy... We might as well start on this now. But since <laughs> I, we last recorded a podcast, I um, I have entered into the holy state of matrimony. Yay, um, and we just had the nicest day, just hanging out, doing the crossword, going out to dinner. <laughs> Wait, this is on your wedding day. You did the crossword on your wedding day. Yeah, I don't think you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you should have done that. Liz. Why not? They say in a happy marriage, you should never let a crossword come between you. Ah, <laughs> he saw his opportunity. Although there was a mathematical thing in my wedding ceremony, which honestly. I very briefly thought of you both <laughs> while I was getting married. That, um, thank you, thank you. When we exchanged rings, and the registrar was like, the ring symbolises your love or your marriage because it has no beginning and no end. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to challenge her on this, because on the one hand, <laughs> my marriage did have a beginning, and There is will a quite a definite end, beginning, and there will be an end. Hopefully through one of us dying, but, you know... Wait, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> Okay, we're we're keeping this podcast for insurance purposes. So I'm getting married, and so I've got my circle. So firstly, I'm thinking, right, well, maybe a circle has no beginning and no end. Right. That's not really anything like a marriage. But the other thing is I thought, don't all 2D shapes have no beginning and no end? Well, yeah, all all, all complete shapes have no beginning and no end. So, yeah, you can have a triangular ring. So it's just total bullshit. What is... (laughs) I mean, oh. to the first approximation, it's true, but she's not thinking fourth dimensionally, is she? You know what? You know what I love, though. You know what I love. I'm going, Lorraine is going to hear this and realise just how romantic I truly am. Right, thank you. Did you guys. give her a Mobius strip uh. for her wedding? No, but I got her Mobius strip did earrings. You, did you give her any kind of strip? Uh. Oh, that was a wedding night, wasn't it? <laughs> Oh dear. Uh, let's go to the math zone. Math zone! Yay! So, it is actually a, a story of, of the first long conversation you and I ever had about maths. And you I, you say you don't remember it. I very really well. don't. I, I'm loving, I would love to hear more. I had recently become single, and I think I was, I was dating through various methods. <laughs> And you advised me that there was a certain... I I could stop dating after a certain number of people and just pick the best one 
And that would probably be the best I would do. So, yes, I mean, this is called the optimal stopping problem. And people have used it to rationalise why people in big cities often date for longer. So the the, the setup is the idea that you have um, a set, a known number of things you want to either choose or not choose. So it's normally stated as the secretary problem. You have a position of a secretary you want to fill. And you can have your candidates come in one by one, you interview them, and there and then you either have to give them the job or decline. Um, so you have, say, 30 candidates. At what point should you choose a person? And you can't just interview them all and pick the best one because after they've gone, they disappear completely and you can't get them. So you, you interview one and you have to say, after the interview immediately, yep, I give you, the you job. get the job or you don't get the job. Or you don't, yep. You get it or you don't and then you can interview the second, you get it or you don't. Third, you get it or you don't. Okay. So at what point do you stop and which one do you choose? And this is known as the optimal stopping problem in this setup. And what's really neat about it is that it has a definite solution. You can write down all the mathematics and when you optimise over the number, what you should do is you, you you interview the first 37% of the people, but you decline them all. You rate them on a scale, whatever, an unambiguous scale, say 1 to 10 on how good they are, and but you ignore them. Then what you do is you choose the next person who is better than all previous or the last one. By using that strategy, you will guarantee the optimal probability of getting the best person, which is only 37%. I know it doesn't sound great, but 37% is the best chance you have of getting the best person for your job. But how do I know how many people I'm going to date? Well, that, that's, that's, that is one of the problems. So you can only do that statistically. You can say, well, I'm this old, I have this long dating left, I will probably get through n number of men. So you can estimate how many you'll have within your lifetime, and then you just get rid of the first 37%. Wow. So, I mean, that is an amazing strategy for dumping someone. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry. but Yeah, you're sorry, but you're 36%. I haven't got through my out. 37% yet, so you're just, you're just in my control group. Yeah. It does make the first 37% of your dating life kind of traumatic. Well, not for you if you're in control. I see. But what if everyone's playing the strategy? Well, then 37% of the people will be optimal. So that's good. You throw away the first 37%. Yep. So when I when I say 137, it's actually <coughs> 1 over E, which is 0.368. But you round okay. it up to say 37%. Okay. So after you throw that away, how do you decide the next person is correct? Well, like, like, so you just, so you've ranked everyone. The, th- the first 37% you've ranked on a scale, whatever scale you're using. Yeah. And you choose the, either the last person. Yeah. Because you'll run out eventually, or the next person, which is better than all the previous ones. So, at, so okay. the 38% person, if he's better than all the rest or she's better than all the rest, you choose him or her, or the 39th or the 40th percent, or carry on, carry on, carry on until the last person. As long as they're the best person you've seen so far. As long as they're the best person you've seen so far, and not in that 37% you've ignored. Okay, but you have to choose the last person. You, yeah, cool, you, well, you have to fill re- it, yeah. Yeah, because you could be really unlucky and yeah. you see really good people for your first yeah. 37%. Yeah. And then everyone else you see. So, you know, the first 10 people you meet in your sample 30 They're the are best really, you really get. good. Yeah. And then you just happen to get really bad ones from 11 to 30. Exactly. And 30th exactly. is the worst of all. And they, up, it can, it can, go, it, like I say, this only works 37% of the time. So it's less than half. It's worse than tossing a coin in some ways, but this is the optimal 
way of doing it. You can show that any other strategy would give you less chance of getting that optimal person. In probability, this gives you the best person. Yes. Oh, okay. This is very interesting. One thing that I have thought about marriage, marriage is really saying, if I meet someone I like better, I won't leave you for them. (laughs) That's what marriage is. So that's Um, kind of saying, you know, I may may inadvertently continue to interview secretaries, but... <laughs> I I accept that that you are likely to be optimal, and I'm going to take the risk. So marriage is an optimal solution. Well, I think I think Liz is saying it's a solution. She's not sure it's optimal. So how? I mean, the difficulty, of course, with all this thing is, it's like my my rant about healthy economics being rubbish. Is that in the real world which we live in? Mm-hmm. How do you assign a score of one to ten oh, to partners? Agreed. I, I'm not even going to comment on such things. Uh, guys, you, guys, you want to see my blog? <laughs> <laughs> Liz is hot or not. Dot com. <laughs> yeah. yeah. See, I, I mean, I, I suspect I, I, I've looked at this kind of problem, but not this exact problem. Mm. I, I think think the optimal solution depends strongly on your utility function. For, true. True. So if you if you if you really want to make sure that you're with someone who's okay but not necessarily the best, then, mm-hmm. you know, you might choose someone who's who's not the best in order to make sure that the last one that comes in isn't a disgusting old baggage. <laughs> and well, this, this actually leads me on to another question that I was thinking about, and it's actually Ooh. an idea for a paper for the two of you to do together. I think, okay, it, I think it actually combines your discussions very well. So I was, again, I was, I was thinking very unromantically about marriage. Um, <laughs> yes. And I was thinking, okay, let's, Let's kind of go with the proposition that there is one person that is meant for everyone in the world, or yes. there is one ideal okay, person yes. for you. So my question was, what's the probability that A, I will meet my one, my one and only? Yep. What's the probability that anyone will meet their one and only? And what's the probability Ooh. that everyone will meet their one and only? I mean, I did this with a friend, and a, a, you know, a friend of mine was, you know, she just couldn't find the one that she wanted. Okay. Um, and she said to me, "Well, you know, am I ever going to find the one I want?" And I said, "Well, well, let's find this mathematically." Okay. You know, most normal people would have said, "Well, of course you will. You know, you're you're beautiful, you're intelligent, blah blah blah." But no, I wanted ben, to find is, the answer. Is this how you so, began your proposal to Lou? <laughs> no, no not, that, but, Lou, you won't do any better. <laughs> yeah, I can prove it mathematically. <laughs> In every relationship, there's a reacher and there's a settler, and in mine, I, I'm definitely the the reacher. So, um, <laughs> you know, but but so 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 I said to her, right, there's seven billion people in the world. Let's say, you know, you want somebody who's what between you know twenty and thirty or whatever it was, you know. So that narrows it down to one billion, and then you probably want somebody that you know at least speaks English, maybe, or at least is in the Western world. So you narrow it down again and, you know, you're down to a couple of hundred thousand. And, you know, she wanted someone that was a vegetarian because, you know, she didn't believe that animals were tasty. Um, <laughs> and, you you know, you kept narrowing it down. And we worked out that there were precisely 0.6 people. <laughs> that all her criteria. But, 0.6 but this is, people. This is, a useful, this is a useful exercise, okay, because you can then decide which of these things really matter. Okay, okay. But well, there's an interesting problem, okay? So let's imagine you got to meet somebody in New York City. Uh-huh. Okay, in Manhattan. Okay, and you're 
if you're in the same place at the same time, you fall in love and you get okay. married. So can I just clarify a rule here? Are we assuming that when you meet each other, you know each other and go, you are my one and you are my one? Yes. Why not? Okay. Let's assume that. Right. So we choose we choose Manhattan because it's a grid shape. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, you can move from, you know, either any intersection to any other intersection. Okay. Okay. So we're just, we're just moving around points on a grid, if you like. Okay. Okay. Um, so, um, two people try to meet up, and it turns out that you can find an algorithm, so a method for meeting up that you will always guarantee yourselves to meet up before the universe ends. <laughs> okay? That's a good so start. You're, okay. you're, you've got a grid, and you're moving around, and there's two people trying to meet each other, so you can move up, down, left, and right, and okay. you both have some kind of method for moving around, and the aim of the game is to meet each other. So you could. So, be... so have you agreed this method beforehand with each other, or so, is this? Just I mean, there's singular? various different games. So you can have a reactive strategy. You can have something where you um, are able to know whether someone's been to the place before. But in the simple, oh right, so like leaving notes. In the simplest then... version that I'm talking about, you're just moving independently of each other, and there's okay. some, there's some strategy you have to follow. Okay, you've got no okay. mobile phones, no way of knowing, but you, you know. So it could be like two people dating in Manhattan, for example. Okay. Okay. Well, isn't it? Isn't it that idea that you always meet at the top of the Empire State Building? That's uh, yes. But if everyone were at the top of the Empire State Building, <laughs> it would get rather crowded. It might um, fall over. You could. It might fall over. So, so the the, the point the point of this thing is um, you can uh, imagine New York consists of just two places. Okay. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. In these circumstances, you can find an algorithm such that you will always meet up. If Manhattan only has two places, you can prove that you could always meet up in a sensible period of time. Oh, yes. If Manhattan has three places, you can prove it. Four places, as far as I know, is still unknown. Oh, so, so if, you're on a grid, if you're on a square, so like it take every point of the yes. square as a node, you aren't guaranteed to meet. Absolutely, yeah. Wow. But I, I mean, you could simulate it, you could show you could do it, mm, uh, mm. but uh, the proof is not out there. So if there's an infinite number of places, I suspect it's not known mathematically whether you've got, you know, a near infinite number of places, whether you will ever meet your one and only, which was... And you're just moving randomly around your space. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you also, you don't know who they are. So you don't even know. I mean, that's the kind of extra thing that we've added in, that we, we've kind of pretended that you would know, but you don't yes. even know whether you've met that one. Yeah, person. absolutely. That's true, that's true. Um, the, the connections between people is also quite interesting. So the question you just asked about, am I ever going to meet up? Um, so you've heard of this thing, uh, 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 what, what, six degrees of separation? Oh, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, so this is an oft-quoted thing. The idea was, pick somebody at random in the US and said, can I get it to somebody on the other side of the country by just by, by passing, passing it, it to someone who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody? And it turns out, the theory was that everyone is connected by at most six steps. Okay. So haven't they looked into this using Facebook data and other sets? And it's actually less than six. Yeah, it? it's it. Well, okay. So we need to be quite careful about um, what we mean, and, oh, as, we, as usual. Uh, and of right, course, your assumptions are the top of the page. There's going to be people who are off the grid and don't know anyone. Okay, but uh, this is a theory known as small world networks. Yes. Okay. Yes. It turns out that the average separation between any two people. In a yeah. in a human network is somewhere around two and a half to three, something like that. Depending, oh. okay. Mm-hmm. So I can go from, uh, from between any two people in the Western world will know someone who knows someone who knows someone on average. 
Okay. Mm. Uh, I mean, six is you. You know, you end up with say ninety nine percent of people. So the chances that you know someone who you're going to fall in love with, uh, if you look at it in a kind of network perspective, are probably uh, are probably quite large. Mm. You're going to you're, mm. you're going to find someone. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating that there's lots of networks that look like this. There was a guy called Erdish who we've talked about before, so that these sort of mm. Erdish Reni mm. networks uh, are very sort of sparse networks which were thought to be, you know, grids and good representations of, you know, how cities or something work, so you know, see mm. Manhattan. And then these two scientists called Barabasi and Albert basically said, "Hey, the world is very connected and the distance between yeah. things is very very small indeed." Um, and they wrote a very good popular science book at the end of the 90s, which uh, kind of explains how, how all these human networks are related, Facebook networks are related. But if, if I understand rightly about these small world networks, is that it's not that everyone needs to be well connected. It's just you need enough hubs of people who are, are amazingly well exactly. connected and are, that make this are, work. There are a load of hubs out there. So, for example, you know, if I want to get something to somebody in the States, I probably know someone who knows the prime minister. Okay, the prime minister yeah. obviously. I mean, this knows. is the best way to do it. You you both think of a, uh, a famous person like the queen, and you think of who do I know who you know who's shaking the hand. So I was going to ask this: who was who was if who? What's the most impressive person that you're that you're two handshakes away from? Oh, I have certainly shaken hands with the knight of the realm. I've shaken hands with Charles. You've shaken hands with Prince Charles, have you? I've shaken hands with Prince Charles. So I'm two Charlie away from boy. Prince Charles. There you go. Um, or Snogs. I mean, Snogs actually are far more scary, given that this is Valentine's Day. Wow. Because, yeah. because if you think about how I've many people... I've never stopped Prince Charles, I'm telling you that. <laughs> no, yeah, I but no, I how, how many, how, in your snog web, how many steps are there between you and Prince Charles? Wow. On average, it should be three. Three snogs? I think this is a title for our podcast. We're only three snogs away, on average, from Prince Charles. And I love the idea that you will have hub people in the snogger network who've snogged loads of people. Well, we all know somebody like that, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So let's carry on to something else. Then. I think we should stop there. I mean, it can't get any better. Listeners, you are on average two or three snogs away from being Prince Charles. <laughs> being Prince Charles. <laughs> and on that point, let's go to something else in our discussions. <laughs> Well, would you like me to tell you about the maths of marriage? Please do. This was actually my wedding speech. Um, oh, hang on, hang on. Let me get. Let me. Uh, you need to pay me for. You need to pay a dinner for me first. <laughs> you might want to get comfortable. It does go and on. We a have bit. to watch you walk up the aisle on your own. That's true. That's true. Uh, so the maths of marriage, which in actual fact is probably the maths of divorce. So my oh. academic grandfather, Jim Murray. Amazing mathematician. Um, I don't know why he's not knighted. He's a fellow of the Royal Society. He invented mathematical biology in Oxford in the 1970s, 80s. So huge, huge name. in. It, it, he, he literally wrote the books called Mathematical Biology Volume 1 and 2. So huge name, huge intellect, brilliant guy. It would have been odd if he'd have written Volume 1 and Volume 3. <laughs> it would have been. Who would have thought? I might, I hope to do that one day and just, you know. <laughs> really, really fuck with the generation. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, yes. Yeah, so, the answers to your exam, volume two. <laughs> so, Jim Murray. He worked with a marriage counsellor on the idea, on, on the problem of could you model relationships? Ooh. Interactions between people. And the model 
there was nothing like this before, so they had to create uh, the framework to put this in. And the idea they had was actually very simple. What they said was, we'll have two equations, one for the male, one for the female, or one for one partner, one for the other, because this also actually works for homosexual relationships. They also did that. So one for one equation for one partner, one equation for the other partner. And in this equation, you have how the, what your next response will be. Will it be positive or negative? And what this is based on is... Are you in a positive mood or are you in a negative mood? So you have your own strategy, if you like. Okay. Then there is a term which is the rebuttal term. It's it's the reply term. You have just heard something from your partner. How do you, how does that make you feel? So if you're feeling positive and you hear something back from your partner which is positive, you'll most likely give a positive reply. And similarly, if you're feeling positive but you get a negative reply, that may make you feel a little bit less positive, and so you can start thinking about how your replies get more negative. So they had uh, footage. They filmed hundreds of couples, newly married couples, that were having marriage counselling. And from this data, they scored the relationship. So the, a 15-minute video of each uh, couple discussing their marital problems, whatever it was, money, in-laws, who would do the washing up, whatever. And every time someone spoke, people, graduate students behind a one-way pane of glass would mark what they were saying based on the SPAF system. And I can never remember what SPAF stands for, but it's a great word, SPAF. The idea is purely you give a positive mark when you're saying something positive. So, you know, if you're saying, um, okay, I really liked the way you made my dinner last night, that would be a plus plus four. Um, or you say, you burnt the dinner last night, what were you do what were you thinking? Minus three. Okay, so if you're saying something positive, they have a set list of things, they give a positive score. If you're saying something negative, they give a negative score. And at the end of this you have a trace of the conversation. And then you fit your parameters of your model, this model of I have my own strategy and I respond to the data, and then from that you can predict what the relationship is like. You can classify it in one of five types. And from that you can predict whether you're going to live together happily, get divorced, or live together unhappily. And from their predictions, they got 96% accuracy. And I say 96% accuracy because of all the people they said would get divorced, they got divorced. Of all the people they said would stay together, they stayed together. The only ones they got wrong were the ones that they said would stay together unhappily. They also got divorced. And so it, it just, so the five types of relationship you can have in terms of this classification is you can have, there are three types of interaction, volatile, avoider, and validator. And ones that are stable are the ones that are best matched. So if you have a validator and a validator, what that means is you interact both in the positive emotions and the negative emotions. Okay, so these are the people that talk about their problems. They bring it up. They don't hide away, uh, but they talk about them and they try and build. So this is the best thing to say, you know, you know, uh, I appreciate we have to have your mother over. (laughs) But can we make sure she stays in the shed? Yeah. Exactly, Ben. That's that's the validator. So avoidance is your mother's coming over. I'm going to hide in the shed. That, that that's the other one. So they're sta- the validators are stable. Two validators are stable. Two avoiders yeah. who interact in the positive relate uh, emotions, but don't interact in the negative emotions. And what was the other confronting? What was it? Uh, volatile. So two volatile. volatiles. So this is like, where's your mother coming over? Go and hide in the shed. So they're the volatiles. <laughs> they're the ones who have big explosive arguments because they interact very strongly in the negative. And they interact less in the positive, but they're all sort of their own happy. You know, that personal um, strategy. They're happily individually 
so they have very um, very positive interactions, but they also have very negative interactions. So they and have explosive arguments. Volatile, Sorry? Do they stay together? Yeah, well, they are stable if they start out in a positive frame of mind. Volatiles could go either way. Okay. So what, what if, if defined if, staying together in this relationship, is it like after five years that they've stayed yes, together? Yes, yeah, so, so the, the results were done after two years. They, they, oh, they made predictions for the second year of marriage. Would you get divorced, stay together, or stay together unhappily? Well, that doesn't seem like... I mean, that seems a fairly easy thing to predict, because most relationships are going to stay together for two years. Uh, not the, well, Most of these got... Uh, the ones that divorced were, were less than a year. Oh, right, but I get I could do 96% by just saying that all relationships are going to stay together for two years. Okay, we'll take some bets on that. Listeners, if you think Ben can do it, we'll give you odds of 10 to 1. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not giving odds. Um, so, yes, so that, that's that's the idea that uh, you can... Uh, oh, the, they're the stable ones. Volatile, volatile, right. uh, um, avoider, avoider, and um, validator, validator. Does that mean that when you decide to get married, you should... Or, you know, when you... Yeah, when you decide to get married, you should... You should go to some sort of counsellor and say, could you tell us whether we're going to stay together or not? You could do that, certainly. Right. Okay. Well, I found another formula that explains love. Please, please, okay. please tell it's us. more research online. Okay, it's quite a long formula, so I'm not going to read okay. it all, but there's lots of terms. So the predicted length in years of the relationship yep. is eight. <laughs> eight? Plus okay, just, just eight. Okay. Half Y which is the number of the years the two people knew each other before the relationship became serious. Okay. Minus 0.2p, which is the number of previous partners of both people added together. Right. And then there's terms for how much honesty the partners attach in the relationship. This, this is not a tosh. I mean, it's one of these equations like, you know, the height of a Christmas tree. All of these are usually made up for advertising purposes. Okay. I mean, it's regression. Oh, so they have data then? Oh, well, I, yeah, I believe so, yeah. You'll, you'll have to send me the link. I'll put this up on MathSat so people can... <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't peer-reviewed the paper. You know the thing about swans? That they mate for life? Yeah, absolute, complete bunkum. <laughs> somebody, went, somebody went and tested a load of swans and got the, their DNA and the DNA of the... Signets. The signets. They found what was actually happening is that there were multiple fathers for different batches of swans. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and swans aren't faithful at all, but they pretend they are, and they sneak. But off. this is this is a, a good um, evolutionary strategy. You want one husband, a strong husband, who will look after your young. Yeah. But you want to have a genetically diverse crop. So, which am I? Do you think? Do you think I'm the strong husband, or I'm the I'm the genetically diverse? You're the genetically son? diverse crop. Yeah. <laughs> we will have to ask. I think. I think. I think Lou probably brings both the strength and the, <laughs> the genetic diversity. <laughs> diversity. <laughs> uh, yes. But but you bring an awful lot of puns, Ben, and that's I, what I, I just bring the humour to any any situation. Well Ben Ben, I did say puns, not humour. <laughs> <laughs> so 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 we need to predict how long um how long uh, how long your relationship's gonna last as you've just got married. Oh I'm, so, not, I'm not sure uh, I'm gonna reveal the information. <laughs> I mean, we, we, I've podcast. been observing you, and I, I think you're you're uh, you're an accommodator, or whatever it is, a validator. Yep. And I've seen uh, Mister Liz a couple of times, and he seems he seems very nice as well. He's, he's a lovely guy. Lovely. So I'm going to predict you last longer than two years. Thanks. Oh, thank you very yep. much. And at Thomas is ninety six percent. I could afford to give you odds of twenty to one and still be in profit. <laughs> so, so okay. You get, are you going to bet against your you own marriage I'm here? I'm so up for taking a oh, bet. Right. 
So you give yeah. you give me a hundred quid, and if you're not together in uh, two years, uh-huh. you'll give us two thousand. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take a tenner on that. I'll give you a tenner, and you give me two hundred quid back if Excellent. I'm divorced. If you're not, if you're hold, not on, hold on, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa! This sounds like one of those scams, though. This sounds like you. Oh, well, they'll split it a hundred each, Valentine's and then get married day, the next day. Valentine's again. Day, twenty twenty. But trust me, Tom, it's, it costs more than two hundred quid to get married. That is true. Absolutely. Even is if true. you have. The most Spartan of weddings. Spartan wedding. Do you have to get sort of carried on shields and sort of hold yes. the path of Thermopylae against the people rampaging yes. towards the buffet? And um, kick someone into a big well. Yes. Um, yes, that's exactly what we did. It was <laughs> and you did crosswords. And then we did the crossword. <laughs> Excellent. And so with that, let's bring this to some sort of conclusion. Uh, we hope you're having a, a lovely Valentine's Day with wherever you are, whoever you're with. Enjoy yourself. Have a good evening. I've been Thomas Woolley. Uh, I've been your Valentine's date, Ben Parker. Um, and I've been reminding you that the chances of meeting your one and only <laughs> um, intended person are basically zero. And so with that, we have been Maths at Winning at Maths, Losing at Life. Have a good Valentine's Day. Good night. Good night. Goodbye. Bye. This podcast is a Random Walks production performed by Thomas Woolley, Ben Parker and the enigmatic Liz. Intro and outro music was Clonky Donkey by Nikolai Heidlas and the incidental stings were Cartoon Bank Heist from YouTube Audio Library.